Proverbs chapter 3. As you make your way that way, um, again, I am grateful um, to Kyle and to to Daryl and all of you for for having me here. Um, It is a sincere privilege to share the word of God with you all. And again, um, Kyle and uh, you guys you guys know Tim Etherington. I'm sure he's preached here before. Um, the three of us, we try to get together on a regular basis, and it is a, uh, a great fellowship for us, you know, to be connected. And every time we spend time in each other's churches, we are all reminded of the same truth, which is we might be individual congregations, but we are one family of God. And uh, what a privilege it is to have so many brothers and sisters in Christ to, uh, uh, to love on and to be encouraged by. And uh, it is my, my prayer that the message today would be encouraging to you. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 5. And the word of the Lord reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of the Lord. The evangelist and publisher D.L. Moody once wrote, Trust in yourself and you're doomed to disappointment. Trust in money and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. Let's pray for the preaching of the word. Father, I am grateful to you for your word, for its efficacy in our lives. I just pray our hearts would be opened to receive it, that it would, it would be nourishment to our souls, and that, Father, that you would use it to transform us more and more into the image of your glorious Son, who is our Savior. I pray, Father, that this word would be pleasing in your sight, and Father, you would certainly, by your spirit, make up for whatever deficiencies I might bring. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Two simple words. Trust me. Two words that contain within them a, a world full of implications. Because the reality is trusting is kind of a big deal. Trusting is important because it has consequences. Do you trust your bank to keep your money safe? Do you trust your friends with important secrets? Do you trust your doctor's diagnosis when you go and see him? Do you trust the government to tell you the truth? Don't answer that. For a different discussion. Do you trust that you'll have a job tomorrow? The truth is we have... Lots of areas in our lives that require our trust, whether, whether we want to trust or whether we don't. Trust me. Two words that we hear out of the mouths of our friends and sometimes even our enemies. Trust me are words that we, we hear from those that we love and sometimes those that we're not really sure what their motives are. It seems that everybody wants us to trust them. Our friends, our, our families, our neighbors, our employers, businesses, salespeople want you to trust them, law enforcement agencies, the president, Congress, the governor. They are all, in their own way, asking for our trust. Even people we don't know 
are wanting us to trust in them. Even people we don't like, trust me. The sound of those words can either bring great hope to us in our time of need, or it could be an ominous warning that things are about to get worse. And so trusting can be difficult because trusting always involves some sort of, some sort of risk. Trust at its core is it asks us to be vulnerable, to be exposed, to be in a position of weakness. It asks us to risk something on some level. It asks us to put our hearts at risk, our, our money at risk, our families, sometimes our health and maybe even our very lives at risk. Trusting isn't simply just a little decision that we make. It's complicated and complex because it's related to the fact that, that trust involves complex relationship dynamics. The truth is, to trust someone or something, there has to be a relationship. For example, you trust your bank with your money because you have a relationship with your bank. You know those people. Right? You're a member there. I trust my wife. Right? We've had a long-term relationship, as we've said. I've been married just over 20 years. Right? You trust your dog because you have a relationship with him. You trust your computer with your personal information for the most part because you've had positive experiences. Trust always requires some sort of interaction and relationship. And you know, relationships with anyone can be complicated. Because relationships either involve, either involve people who are all flawed and broken. Can we agree on that? Because of sin, we are all flawed and broken. Or your relationship involves things like cars and computers or pets, and they themselves are imperfect and flawed because they're subject to this flawed, broken, sinful world as well. And because of that, trust relationships, again, can be sticky and complicated, which means trusting people and things can be a struggle. In fact, I think most of us struggle to trust on some level. Hence the expression, I have trust issues. How many of you have ever used that in your life before? Yeah. I think we all have trust issues at times. Some of you women don't trust men. Some of you men don't trust women. Some of you don't trust technology, and some of you don't trust people who don't trust technology. Some of you don't trust doctors. Some of you don't trust the government. Some of you don't trust the police, and some don't trust your boss. And some of you don't trust politicians. Let's be real. None of us trust politicians, right? I, th I think we're, we all are wondering, at least on some level, you know, if politicians are telling us the truth, right? We all struggle to trust. But, but why? Well, for lots of reasons. But the biggest reason I believe that, that trust is difficult is because of fear. We struggle to trust because of fear. We, we struggle to trust others because we fear giving up what we value so much, which is control. Right? We want to think that we're in control, and we don't like giving up control. When you trust your bank with money, you don't have control over it anymore. They tell you you do, but go down and try to get it all out right now. You can't do it. You, you, when you tell a friend a secret, that secret now is no longer under your control. They control now whether or not that gets spread. 
When you control, when you hire a babysitter, you're handing control of your kids over to them. When you have surgery, you give up your cognitive and conscious physical control of your bodies because you're giving tr- giving trust to the surgeon and his and, and his team. Trusting is about giving up control, either a little or a lot. And if there is anything that we fear, is giving up control. I think all of us, on some level, if we'll be honest, are control freaks. I mean, we want to be in control of our money. We want to control our jobs. We want to control our time. We want to control our families. We want to control the future. And we want to control everything that affects our lives. But trusting requires that we give up or all, give up some or all of that control that we struggle to give up. Another reason we struggle is we, is we fear being hurt, which is legitimate. We, we struggle, right? Because we have been hurt before. And trusting makes us vulnerable to those that we're trusting in. Trusting puts us in, puts part of our lives, and sometimes even all of our life, at risk, which means those that we trust have the ability to take advantage of us and hurt us. And we know what that's like. We've all trusted someone in our lives who have done us wrong. Some of you might have known what it's like to trust somebody like a spouse, even, only to have them leave or abuse or take advantage of you or be unfaithful to you. Many of us know what it's like to have friends that we have deeply invested in only to have them betray us. Trusting involves us allowing someone to have a great deal of influence and control in our lives, which means that person that we trust has the power to intentionally hurt us. We have all experienced that, I believe. We also struggle because we fear being let down. The truth is that most of the people that we trust in won't intentionally hurt us or betray us. But they are still flawed and broken in sinful beings, which means at some point they will inevitably let you down. You trust someone to pick, up, pick you up in the morning for work and they're late. Right? You trust someone to be on time for an appointment and they lose track of time. You trust someone to do a job for you and it gets overlooked. You trust your kids to do their chores and guess what happens? Uh, Believe me, they don't want the thunder to come down on their head. They just are kids. Even the people we know and love that have potential, that that could hurt us, don't want to hurt us, but they do have the potential to let us down at any moment. And those letdowns can have consequences, and sometimes big ones. And so so the fear is a big reason we, we struggle to trust. But really, what is trust? What does it mean to trust? I believe that it comes down to three things. It's confidence, dependence, and vulnerability. Confidence, dependence, and vulnerability. You see, trust begins with confidence. When you trust someone, you, have, you, are, you are confident in their willingness and ability to do what they say they'll do. And, and you're confident that they are looking to your best interest. Again, I trust my wife, and I'm confident that she will keep her promise to love me and take care of me and be faithful to me. This is something I have great confidence in, which means I have a high level of trust in her. Right? But trust also is about dependence. When you trust someone, you're depending on them. You're leaning on them. In essence, you're building a part of your life on them, no matter how small it might seem. 
And so when you trust your doctor, you're literally depending on him with your life. When, when you trust the company that you work for, you're depending on them for your employment and, and your financial future. When you trust your bank, you're depending upon them to make sure that your money's protected. Trust means dependence, and it also means vulnerability. And as I've mentioned, trust is being vulnerable to risk. Because the truth is, if there is no risk, there's really not even a reason to trust. There's not even a need for it. If there is no risk, there's not a need for trust. We're just all on the same playing field. And so it's confidence, dependence, and vulnerability, regardless of who you trust and what you trust, which then leads to our relationship with God. What does it mean to trust in him? I mean, if there's anyone that we all need to trust more than anything in the entire universe, it is the creator of all things, the sovereign Lord. But what does it mean to trust him? Well, trusting him is in many respects, like trusting people, it's about confidence, dependence, and vulnerability. Right? You trust in God in many of the same ways that you trust in people, only we trust in him to the highest degree possible. You see, you can trust in people still having reservations, but our trust in God needs to be complete. There are people in my life I have lots of trust in. There are people that I would trust with my life and all that's important to me, but whatever trust I might have in them, it pales in comparison to the trust I have in God himself. Because our trust in him must be infinitely more than our trust in people. Which means you must be completely and totally given over to trusting in him. Not mostly and not partially. In fact, in Proverbs it says, trust in the Lord with what? All. All your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And what is... What is what does the word tell us? Right? All your heart. What does that mean? If I'm going to trust in God with my whole heart, what does that mean? Well, the, the Hebrew word for heart here, the root of that word actually isn't, doesn't have anything to do with your cardiac muscle. It has to do with your identity. The heart in that context is completely who you are in your mind, in your will, in your consciousness. The heart is the center of who you are. Again, it's not the muscle beating in your chest. It's, it's literally your identity. And so when the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart, it literally means trust God with all that you are. Every part of you. You're to trust God with everything that you have. And notice it says, and do not lean on your own understanding, which means you need to trust God more than you trust yourself. You need to trust God more than you trust you. I know that for many of us control freaks, that's, sometimes that's a hard leap to make. But you must trust God more than, than, than yourself. You must trust that he knows more than you know. And then it says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And the idea here is that you need to trust God, not with just who you are, but also with all your ways, which encompasses every aspect of your life, or literally everything that you do. You see, many people get stuck, and I, I, th I think they get stuck, and I think, I, I need to trust God with salvation. I need to trust God with, you know, my grandma's cancer. And I need to trust God with the big things in my life, but then they forget that we're called to trust God in everything else too. And I want you to know, if there's a place that I'm really guilty of this, this is it. 
We tend to forget to trust in God with our jobs on a day-to-day basis, with that little conflict that you might have with your, with your boss. You want to resolve it in your own strength instead of trusting in him to help you work that out. We forget to trust God in our marriages sometimes, trying to fix things on our own. Men don't do that. Can we just agree on that? Praying husbands, that's, that's the secret to, to success, I believe, right? We forget to trust in God with our finances. Sometimes we think that we are smarter than God. We want to maybe take risks that aren't advisable. Sometimes we, we like to ignore the wisdom of those around us. We forget to trust God in raising our children. We forget to trust God even in the politics of our own nation. One of the, the biggest struggles or the difficulties I see in our own country is how politically divided our country is. Um, and again, it's, it doesn't, have to, doesn't matter to me who you vote for or what party that you're aligned with, but it seems as though that there are times that we begin to trust politicians more than the sovereign king of the universe. We forget to trust God in every aspect of our life, but the Bible says in all of your ways, all of your ways, that we need to acknowledge God and trust in him. So trusting God is about trusting him completely in every way, which means trusting God is to be completely confident in God. Whatever confidence you have in people needs to be complete in God. We need to be completely confident that God will do what he has promised to do. We need to be completely confident that God is capable of doing what he has promised in his word, which means we need to be completely dependent upon God. We need to fully depend on him. Which is, by the way, as we know, the root of our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. We come to Christ helpless and dependent upon him. We are helpless and completely dependent upon God to do for us all the things we can't do for ourselves. And to do for us the things that we don't even deserve for him to do. We come to him completely dependent to save us. Our salvation is about us fully trusting and depending on God to do what he's promised, which means we don't trust in ourselves to save ourselves. We don't trust in other people. We don't trust in religion. We don't trust in traditions. We completely depend upon Christ and his finished work on the cross which means we need to be completely vulnerable in the hands of God then. And I'm going to tell you, there's something that I have struggled with in my life, it's just to be vulnerable. You've been hurt a few times in your life, it's hard to be vulnerable. But this is the place that we as Christians must come to before the hands of the living God, is to be vulnerable completely in his hand. We need to place our lives in his hand and say, here it is, Lord, all of it. I trust you. No matter what the circumstances are, even if the world is going up in flames, we must be completely vulnerable to God. Now, I know that for, for all of us at some point, we struggle with the idea of complete trust and confidence and dependence and vulnerability because, again, we fear losing control and we feel being hurt and let down. And we fear these things because we've experienced them over and over and over and over again. And so there's something in us that causes us to recoil. But we need to understand this. God has never failed at anything. God is not fallen. He is not broken. This is why the, the doctrine of, of God's holiness is so important. 
He is completely holy. He is completely other. He is completely different than any of us, which means he is altogether perfect in every way. There is no failing. There is no fault in him. There is no deception. There is no forgetfulness, praise the Lord. God is perfect in all of his ways, which means we have every reason to trust him. You see, we can trust in God because he is completely sovereign, which means he is fully and totally and completely in control. By the way, that's where we want to be. But God is in control from the tiniest subatomic particle to the biggest galaxy. He is completely in control. And even now, it seems when the world is upside down, when things seem to be at at the biggest crisis point in history, when things seem to be completely out of control and up is down and down is up, God is still on the throne. Scripture says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you were exalted as, a, as head above all. First, it's First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. God reigns supremely over his creation. There's not a speck of dust or a subatomic, subatomic particle or even a virus or even a molecule that's outside of his control. There's not anything that's out, out of his control. And the thing is, is what we need to realize is when we don't trust God then, we don't have a personal problem. We have simply a theological problem. The reason why people at times don't always fully trust God is not because their problems are so big, but rather at times our view or theology of God can be too small. At least our understanding of him. Their theology of God is too small. They don't realize or they don't understand that God is completely and totally omnipotent and in control. And many of them believe that there are things, I've even heard people say this, that there are things beyond God's control. That God is helpless to do something on some level. I actually even heard a preacher say that that God can't do anything in this world unless we allow him to do it. I'm like, what? God can't heal you if you don't allow him to heal you. God can't change your life if you don't allow him to change your life. Are you kidding me? Brothers and sisters, hear me. God can do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, however he pleases, with whomever he pleases. Why? Because he is God. Daniel tells us all the inhabitants of the earth are accountable as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? That's Daniel 4.35. God is completely in control which means there's nothing beyond his ability, which means we should surrender whatever control we think we might have to him. God is sovereign, and that means he is also trustworthy. Being sovereign in control is important, but just as important as that, that is the fact that we can trust him. He is trustworthy. Because that means that we can have full confidence in him. We can depend on him, and we can be fully vulnerable with him because of his trustworthiness. Numbers 29, uh, 23, 19, we're told, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. First John 1, 15 says, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is trustworthy because he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If there is a thought to hang your confidence on and to stay your weary mind on, it is that truth, that God is not fickle, that God is not moody, praise the Lord, that he's not prone to make mistakes, he doesn't get overcommitted like I can be. I'll admit that. He's not surprised by anything that happens, least of all what's happening now, even in your own life. God, unlike us, is not indecisive. He is completely and totally trustworthy. And just as important to that is that he is also compassionate. The God who created all things, who is mind-blowing, bigger than the universe that we see around us. By the way, I love science and I love all the discoveries with, with, with all the telescopes and they're seeing how vast the universe is. You know, it's been estimated it's like 96 billion light years across and the God that we serve is infinitely greater than that. You can't even like put your head around that. The God that we serve created all these things who is bigger than our imaginations in spite of our failings is compassionate on us. He loves us because he is good. And he loves us because he chooses to love us. Obviously, one of our favorite verses is what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Praise the Lord that God cares for his people. God cares about you. I want you to hear those words. I mean, sometimes you you hear them, but I want you to let those soak into your heart. God cares about you. And what you right now individually are going through in your life. He cares about you and your family. He cares about you and your cares and your worries and the things that you are carrying around. God is compassionate. And because of that, we can trust him to do what is right for us. We can trust him to do what is good for us. We can trust him to guide us and to lead us even through the darkest moments of history and certainly the darkest moments of your life. We can trust God because he is sovereign, trustworthy, and compassionate. Now, the truth is, that's the stuff that we already know. But it's something I think we need to be reminded of. There's nothing new here. I mean, if you're a Christian, these are the things that you already know, and, and that head knowledge is something that you carry around with you. When you come to church, you hear about God's sovereignty and his trustworthiness and his compassion. We agree. We say amen to that, right? We, we believe this. But there are times in our lives, maybe even now, when we struggle to feel this. We struggle to live in this. I mean, we know it here. But man, sometimes life is hard, and it's hard to feel that. I mean, we know that we need to trust God, and people tell us when things get hard, you just need to trust in the Lord. We, like, agree with them. Yes, I need to trust in the Lord. But there are times you just don't feel like you can. There are times when the world around us has gone completely haywire, like today. There are times individually when, when your world has gone haywire, when up seems down and down seems up and nothing makes sense at all. Like when... A child contracts an incurable disease or when someone you love and that you spoke to a half an hour before 
is gone from a car accident or when a marriage of many years dissolves into nothing or the stock market crashes or your, your uh, life savings evaporates or suddenly your home and everything you've had is reduced to ash. There are those times when your hearts are broken into pieces and the nights are filled with nothing but tears. There are times when words don't seem to help and and someone saying, just trust in God, even though it's true, might even seem trite and patronizing. There are times that we know that we need to trust in God, but everything in the world around us and all the circumstances are saying, you can't trust him. There are times when everything and everyone around us is just saying, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He can't fix your problems. He can't take care of them. Sometimes it even feels like, why would you trust him? Because look at you. Why would he care about you? Sometimes it feels like trusting God doesn't make any sense at all. But those are the times that we need to remind ourselves of the simple beauty of the gospel. The promise that those who put their trust in God will absolutely, without question, be saved. What about those times in our lives when we wonder, will God really save someone like me, though? How many of you ever wrestled with that question, will God save the likes of me? I mean, I keep making a mess of things. Am I delusional to believe that God can save someone like me? Am I just fooling myself and pretending? Will God save a wretch like me? I keep falling down. I keep making a mess of my life. I keep falling the same old sin again and again. I mean, I'm not always in the word. My love for God runs cold at times. I continue to struggle with sin and temptation over and over again. How could... I possibly trust God to save me when I keep making a wreck of everything? How can I trust God to save me when, when I can't even be faithful myself? I know that there are a lot of people in our country and a lot of people in our communities and a lot of people and even our churches that are wrestling with that question. That's the question I think that, that many of us ask at some point. How can God save me? Well, here's the thing. If you haven't asked that question at some point, you probably will. Because you will fall down and you will make a mess of things. And so in light of that, how can I be confident and depend upon God to save me? How can I completely stay vulnerable to God when I have so much in my life to be ashamed of? Well, the good news is, in spite of all of our doubts, we can still trust in God because trusting God to save us from our sins is about understanding his sovereignty, but it's also about trusting in the fact that he is completely dependable to do what he's promised. The Apostle Paul gives, I think, some of the most incredible, inspiring words. He says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ. And there's a couple things to notice here. Who was it that began the work in you? It was him that began the good work in you. It was God. Because God is the one who can change hearts. 
Only God can open minds to receive the truth of the gospel. Only God, through the Holy Spirit, can convict us of sin and help us to see our desperate need for salvation. It is God who began the work of salvation in your life, not you. You received it by faith. Yes, you must exercise faith. Yes, you must choose to believe. But it is God who brings life. It is God who started that work in you. And he promised to finish it. You were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's a gift from God, not by your works. Praise the Lord that God is the one who completes salvation in you and not you. And I say that is because there's so many of us that are trying to live this Christian life in our own strength trying to make God love us and be pleased with us, in some way trying to earn that next level of salvation, it seems like. Yes, we are called to have faith. Yes, we are called to submit. Yes, we are called to obey and pursue holiness and repent and believe the gospel. But all of those things are still by grace, the grace that God has given us. It is the power of God working in our lives to bring those things about. You and I contribute nothing to our salvation but the sin that made it necessary. And Paul says in Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? If you're truly saved, God is the one who began the work in you and he's the one who will finish it because he is the one who's in control. He is the one who saved you and you can trust him to finish what he started in you. Trusting God to save us is all about understanding that. That God doesn't leave us guessing about our salvation. He gave us proof of it on the cross. A historical event that we can look back to again and again. God proved his trustworthiness on the cross. Jesus, God in the flesh, lived the perfect life that we were required to live but couldn't live. And then he willingly died on the cross to take away the sins that we all rightfully committed and deserve condemnation for. He took upon himself our sin and in return gives us his righteousness. And then he died on the cross and was laid in a tomb and three days later rose again proving two important things. That Jesus is what he claimed to be, God in the flesh, and he can do what he promised to do, which is to save us from our sins and the wrath of God. And, I, and if you believe in him, and that's the promise, if you believe in him, if you trust in him, he will save you without question. The resurrection is proof of what Christ has promised and that Jesus is truly trustworthy. I think, and finally, you need to understand that God's compassion and his love and grace and his mercy are infinite and more powerful than your failures. I I think this is the one that I need to remind myself over and over and over and over and over again. God's compassion and his love and grace and mercy for you are infinitely more powerful powerful than all of your failures combined. They're more powerful than your, than your full-on face plants and even more powerful than your doubts. God, by his nature, is compassionate. God understands your fear, understands your worry and your struggle. God knows what you're going through and he knows that you're going to make a mess of things. I hope you do understand that, right? I think sometimes as Christians, we live in this like delusion that we think that you're going you're gonna to do something wrong and all of a sudden God's going to be caught off guard by, you know, you know how your kids will do something that surprise you, right? right? 
God is never surprised when you fall or when you fail. He's not standing over you like, look at that. Look at that guy. No, he's all-knowing. And he knows when you're going to make a mess of things. And he knows that you're going to struggle. And that's why Jesus died for all our sins, past, present, and future. God loved you so much that he crushed his own son so that you could be set free from all that sin. That's a thought that still won't completely fit in my head. The prophet said that he was pleased to crush him. God crushed his own son so you could be set free from your sin and have confidence to know that he will carry you through even when, when you mess things up. You can trust in him and depend upon him to save you. You can be vulnerable with God in your shame and you can trust God to save you even when it doesn't make sense to you. So what do we do with this? I know it's a simple message. Trust God, right? You walk out of here, that's what you remember, right? But, but what do we do with this? I, I know for me, like there are just three things that always come, I come back to. And the first one is, is the call to repentance and faith. And the reason why I always start there is because I never know the hearts of any person. I never know who has heard the gospel for their first time or maybe thought that they heard the gospel but never actually came to faith in Christ. And so the call is always the same. Repent and believe the gospel. If you've not put your faith in Christ, today is the day of salvation. Turn to him and believe. The word of God says that if you will believe, he will not put you to shame. That if you believe that you are saved, it is a it is present tense. In fact, John 3.16 says, right, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have that moment, that that very moment, present tense, eternal life. Right? And so always encourage anyone who might have doubts to repent and believe the gospel. And if you need help with that, Brother Daryl would be happy to help you with that. There are lots of people in this little congregation be happy to walk you through how to put your faith in Christ. The second one is for us Christians who feel like we got to pick up the ball and carry it on our own. And that is rest in your salvation. I don't think we talk about that near enough. We need to rest in Christ and trust in him. Right? That your salvation is the work of God start to finish. Right? And that when you fall down and make a mess of things, it's not time for you to put yourself in the spiritual penalty box and hide yourself from God and I can't come to church and I don't even want to pray because God must hate me because he's mad and I got to go do some type of... Pen- the moment you find yourself failing or falling down, look up to heaven and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, save me. Turn to him immediately and rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross because you're not saved by your inability to sin. You're saved by faith in Christ. And so rest in that, trust in that, live in that, and let that hope then saturate your entire life. And then in light of that, go out and rescue the lost because that's the message that the world needs to hear. Right? The message doesn't need another political pundit. I mean, the world does not need any more you know, political um, geniuses. What the world needs right now is the gospel. And that's the only message that, of hope that can actually change the world around us. That is the only message that can really bring true, true healing to families and to our communities. Is that we then are the ambassadors for Christ 
going out and sharing the hope with them. And the way I tell our little church family is this. Our job is very simple. Sow the seed, love the people, pray for God to change their hearts and never give up. We sow the seed of the message of the gospel and we do that over and over and over again. Even when they're sick of hearing it, we just keep saying it, right? And then we, we let them see the light of Christ and our love for them. And we love even the worst of them, our enemies. And then we pray for God to do the part that God does, which is change their hearts. We pray that God would go before us, changing, our heart, changing hearts. We pray for our kids and our grandkids and our aunts and uncles and friends and neighbors to have their hearts changed. Right? And then we don't give up, knowing that God will be faithful to finish his work and that God will save his people. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your, your grace, and I thank you that we can trust in you in all things and all times. I pray your blessing over this little church family. I pray your blessing over uh, Kyle and, uh, and his wife and brand new baby Noah. I pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to draw them closer to you. And I pray, Lord God, that this little church family would be on mission in this community to rescue the lost. And I pray, Father, that you'd be glorified in all of our lives and that you would knit our hearts together in the bond of fellowship and family. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So at this time, we'll call for the uh, worship team, uh, the ushers, and Brother Daryl.